grateful to be part of the satsang. It's the first time, so I'm, I'm a little nervous. Never been on Zoom before like this. But uh, life is full of challenges, and it's always a growing experience. So let's jump in. I guess uh, the format is we begin with a kirtan. Sure, we can, or we can do it after class, uh, whichever you prefer. Whatever you suggest. I, I'm, I'm open. Um, yeah, we usually do it after class, so we can do it then. Okay, okay let's do that. So uh, we'll just jump into uh, discussing, discussing uh, sacred sound. Sure. That sounds great. That sounds good. Okay. Um, well, you know, I I, uh, I love the topic and I appreciate uh, um, being, having the opportunity to be part of this discussion. Um, I, I because I'm myself, I'm very much involved with with music um, as a means to convey uh, Krishna consciousness. Um, but I also uh, see music as an opportunity to connect with Western people um, who are also entrenched in the Western tradition of music. So um, I've been studying, you know, for some time now how to do that. Um, and as you, as you mentioned uh, earlier that the the Ramayan past and present was an attempt uh, to introduce uh, Krishna conscious uh, pastimes and philosophy through uh, the medium of a Western style of music, primarily classical style of music. Um, and it's interesting when, when you talk about music, um, What determines, as we know as devotees, what determines whether something is sacred or, or unsacred, <laughs> such a word exists, uh, materialistic or uh, material, uh, is how it's used. So if the music is used for the glorification of God, um, for the glorification of Krishna, then it, then it becomes spiritualized. And this was really the, the, the trend in, in civilization for some time. Um, after the uh, the fall of the Roman Empire, uh, you know, Europe, western part of the world was plunged into a, a period of great chaos. Um, but then, from you know, from 600 AD to um, approximately the 1400s, music was was understood to be solely for the purpose of the glorification of God. And then it wasn't until the Renaissance when uh, music became more secularized. Um, and it's interesting to note that I find that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, who appeared in, in the, at the beginning of the Renaissance in the four, 1486, um, he introduced uh, a style of, of worship, which if, if you look at it from a, a, a a historical pers uh, perspective is actually very revolutionary. Uh, kirtan uh, uh, is unique uh, in that if you if you look at the music that was that was being written for the churches uh, from 600 A.D. to 1400s, that music you know was certainly was certainly sacred, but 
it was a different quality. It was more geared towards creating a, a mood that was conducive to long periods of meditation and meditative prayer. And therefore you have the Gregorian chants and they're very, if you listen to the Gregorian chants, actually they're not really, they weren't written by Pope Gregory. They were just given that name to honor him. But actually the, the chants really are called plain chants. And a plain chant is, is basically from a, from the point of view of a, of a musicologist, a plain chant is um, what we do in kirtan. It's not accompanied by any harmony. It's not accompanied by any, any instruments except for percussion, which makes it unique. Um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, when, when Christianity began to evolve, they wanted to um, distance themselves from what they considered to be pagan uh, religions. And uh, they considered dancing to be uh, pagan. Uh, and therefore, you would find no, no dancing in churches, even today. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not an, an expert on, on modern religions, but you don't see, you seen dancing like we have in Kirtan in any other church uh, or mosque or, or, or synagogue. Um, and... <clears throat> The reason why, the, the, at least in Christianity, the reason why the, the, the church fathers didn't want to have dancing is because they felt that it, it incorporated the, um, you know, the, the physical uh, emotions of this world. And um, it was very much, you know, considered to be materialistic. But here we find, so, so, then, so then, you know, what happened is then the music became more secularized and became more, uh, complex in, in structure and composition um, in the Western world. However, Lord Chaitanya at that time, he introduced this kirtan, which was still pretty much in the plain chant tradition, but incorporated the dancing and incorporated what, what, the, what you know, the Christians of those areas would consider to be pagan um, a, uh, uh, element in, in worship. But he introduced both dancing and kirtan, the, the, the plain chant, as a means of worshiping God. And uh, we see today that this has become very attractive, how, how people all over the world you know, come together and they, they chant um, you know, while dancing, while, while raising their hands, while clapping. And by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, we, we can feel this this divine ecstasy uh, when we engage in this um, welcoming of the sacred sound of the holy name. And, uh, you know, when you think of the, what, what sacred sound is, um, uh, the, the, the source of, of all sacred sound, of course, as we hear in the Vedas, was coming from Krishna. When, when Krishna, you know, he played his flute uh, and that came out in the form of Om. And when Lord Brahma sat down in meditation, he heard these divine, these divine sacred syllables, Tapa. And uh, he engaged in a, a austerity, whereby after you know so many, uh, such such a long duration of time, he finally saw, had a vision of the spiritual world. So this is the purpose of of sacred sound. In, in the context of Krishna consciousness, is 
is not simply coming together for for uh, worship in, in in terms of religious um, perspective. And I want to I want to cl clarify that because actually Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, um, you know, in, in the 18th chapter, as we all know, the famous verse. Abandon all variety, varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. Um, so, you know, generally throughout human society, we see that the religion is, is, has been used more uh, for, in terms of religiosity, uh, helping us, and which is not a bad thing, it's, it's pious. But what, uh, what, what, what Lord Chaitanya is presenting to us is a way to use um, our prayer to transcend um, all our religious um, conceptions, our, our, term, our, our conceptions of religiosity, of, um, you know, and, uh, uh, and simply develop a personal uh, relationship uh, with him, with the Lord uh, and his devotees. Um, so Lord Brahma, uh, at the dawn of creation, when he, he when he chanted the Brahma Samhita prayers, those you know Chintamani Prakara Sat Masuka Purvaksha Lakshavratesha Sudabi Abipalayantam Lakshmi Sahasashatasam Brahma Savyamanam Govindamani Purusham Tamaham Rajami. He he started to have this this divine revelation uh, of the spiritual realm. So um, um, the question then is how, how is it that we're able to access uh, this divine revelation, this divine experience? So this is the process of bhakti yoga that Srila Prabhupada has given us. And today I just thought as an exercise, I thought it'd be interesting to, 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 to note what are, the, some, what are some of the reasons why uh, you know, we chant Hare Krishna? Um, and then I'd like to, after, you know, discussing some of those reasons, and there's, there's, there's infinite reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm sure many devotees um, you know, who, who, who every day have different realizations and different, you know, um, um, inspirations that keep them going uh, to chant the Lord's holy name. But I was just going through the uh, second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita and just noticing, because when we're associating with Krishna, through his holy name. Actually, as, as uh, we, we hear in the uh, Padma Purana, Naman Chintami, Krishna's Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha, that Krishna, he's non different from his name. Uh, so, so when Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender to me. So how, how do we do that? That was given to us by Lord Chaitanya and the process of surrendering to Krishna in this particular age that we live in is through the holy name because it is not different from Krishna. So we all can personally um, surrender to Krishna in our in our every moment of our lives um, through the holy name. And once we do that, then we have we we are uh, have in the beginning stages we have access to our original nature, which is eternity, bliss, and knowledge. Satchitananda uh, Vigraha. And we are by nature already full of eternity, full of bliss, and full of knowledge. And yet we struggle uh, so much in this world uh, to be free from um, uh, death, 
you know, we've struggled so much to be free from ignorance and we struggle so much to uh, experience happiness. But here, you know, in, 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 in the in the Bhagavatam and in the teachings of, of, of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Srila Prabhupada and the founder of Acharya and all of our uh, preceding Acharyas, we learn that we are already full of eternity, full of bliss, full of knowledge. So the, the purpose of sacred sound is to unlock uh, that original nature of the soul uh, and able to, and, and once we do that, um, then, then we become saturated. We become um, filled with love for God. And I just remember in 1973, when Srila Prabhupada was in New York, he was talking about, he said, he quoted the uh, song by Narottam Das Thakur, um, uh, Goloka Premadana Harinam Sankirtana. He said, we must have complete confidence that, this, that the holy name of the Lord is, is imported from the spiritual world. And uh, we find that devotees, as devotees um, take on this mood for approaching the holy name, seeing this as um, uh, a divine sound vibration imported from the spiritual world. And once we have that confidence, Srila Prabhupada said again, he said, have that confidence once we have that confidence, then we start experiencing um, the divine bliss, the divine enlightenment, uh, the experience of, of eternality uh, of our soul. It kind of reminds me of a, um, uh, about maybe 30, well, actually long, maybe about 40, 40 years ago uh, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, which is about three hours uh, west of New Vrindavan. There's a Ohio State University. And just north of there, uh, Ohio State University built this huge, um, they call it the big ear, okay? And the, the big ear, the purpose of the big ear was to um, just listen to the universe. And what happened is, um, I think it was like in 1960 uh, that they first um, hooked it up. And for about, you know, 13 years, actually, no, it was like for 16 years, uh, 17 years around that time, just before Shalom Prabhupada left the planet, they, they heard nothing, you know. But then three months before Shalom Prabhupada left the planet, uh, all of a sudden, on this big ear, they registered this signal. And uh, it was called, and they, they couldn't figure out the only explanation they have to this day uh, is that it is a it is coming from another another galaxy. They call it the, the the wow signal, right? It lasted for seventy two seconds. So, I was reflecting you know, how how scientists were so excited when they when they heard this this signal, you know, for seventy seconds um, coming from another galaxy. You know, and they still are 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 are, are dumbfounded. You know of its origins, and uh, and here we have it. Krishna has given us an instrument. You know, um, later on, you know, in the 1990s, they disbanded the big ear because you know there was there was just not enough uh, data coming into the uh, into the into the, um, um, the sound you know uh, um, ear. So, but here Krishna has given us an instrument whereby we can 
we can pick up this transcendental sound and we can hear transcendental spiritual sacred sound um, at every moment. It's, it's a question of opening up the heart, just like you had to hook up the big ear telescope or audioscope uh, to, to hear the sound from another galaxy. Similarly, to, to, uh, if we want to hear this divine vibration, we have to hook up our heart uh, to the Lord through devotional service. And when our heart is, 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 is infused with uh, devotional service uh, and a, a humble spirit and service attitude, um, then we're able to start hearing these divine sound vibrations that come through Krishna's holy name. Krishna, as we mentioned earlier, is non-different from his holy name. It is Krishna. It is not that it's not a symbol of Krishna. It's not a label of Krishna. Krishna's name is Krishna. And Srila Prabhupada explains in the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he says that when we chant Hare Krishna, Krishna and his internal potency are dancing on our tongue. And um, this is one of the, I think, one of the, the hallmarks of the Vaishnava teachings that Srila Prabhupada brought us is that uh, the understanding of God's absolute nature uh, that, and he oftentimes he's used the um, analogy, uh, if you chant water, 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 it's not gonna quench your thirst. But if you chant the name of God, Krishna, 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 or any name of God, uh, it is non-different from God. And one can, as one purifies the mirror of the, the heart, uh, one can begin to perceive uh, Krishna's presence. So I'd just like to stop there to take a few moments of reflection. If anyone has any reflections they'd like to share or any, any thoughts or questions or uh, clarifications before we move on. Okay. Um, so I'd like to jump in into a few uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Bhagavad Gita um, uh, has some verses which uh, I, I just wrote these down uh, uh, to help give myself some personal inspiration into lending my ear to the sacred sound, lending my ear and my heart to the sacred sound of Krishna's name. Um, in the... Uh, uh, third verse of the second chapter, Krishna says, um, O son of Prita, do not yield to this degrading impotence. It does not become you. Give up such petty weakness of heart and arise, O chastiser of the enemy. So um, here it is said that uh, um, the Arjuna is faced on, he's on this battlefield and he's, there's, Krishna's telling him there's, there's this degrading potency of Maya is dragging him down because of his weakness of heart. So uh, when we chant, when at least when, when we chant, a devotee can, 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 get, can get, take strength and think, ah, yes, by chanting, whatever degrading potency there is in Maya, I can rise above it. Um, there's a beautiful poem by Bhaktivinotakur where he says, in Sharagrahi Vaishnava, he says, <clears throat> Push on thy onward march, O soul, against an evil deed that stands with soldiers' hate and lust, a hero be indeed. 
Maintain thy post in spirit world as firmly as you can. Let matter never push thee down. Oh, stand, heroic man. And then the last two verses are really beautiful. He says, Oh, Shadagrahi Vaishnav soul, thou art an angel fair. Lead, lead me on to Vrindavan, and spirit's power declare. There rests my soul from matter free upon my lover's arms. Eternal peace and spirit's love for all my chanting charms. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, Hare Krishna. Very good. I wish I could repeat it. Well, you know, the, um, the fact that you uh, appreciate it, it means on, 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 on some level you have, you have the ability to repeat it. Um, you know, I... <laughs> uh, but just, just the thought that, 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 that Krishna is our eternal lover, he's our eternal friend. You know, my wife and I were just discussing this morning she was saying, one of the most amazing things about Krishna is that he's everyone's friend. You know, like we we can be friend with you know maybe the people in our family and the people in our social circle, um, but whereas Krishna, he's everyone's friend, and he maintained he's he's everyone's friend regardless of what you know whether they like him or not. <laughs> you know, like I remember. Uh, um, you know, uh, Ridanana Maharaj wrote in his book, uh, his commentary, uh, uh, his study guide for the Bhagavad Gita. He's, he says that if, if we, Krishna does not take offense if we ignore him. Um, his, his heart is just full of love and he's just waiting for us to, to surrender. You know? uh, and this word surrender, of course, uh, um, is misunderstood um, because it immediately brings up connotations of of of, of having to um, subject oneself to an impersonal authority who does not have our our, our best interests at heart. Uh, it conjures up images of of people um, surrendering in a war and and being subjugated, being being becoming prisoners of war. And these are the connotations. So I was thinking the other day, well, why, is it, why does Krishna say I have to say, uh, abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me? You know, uh, couldn't he just said, uh, you know, abandon all varieties of religion and just uh, become my servant? You know, wouldn't that have been a, a nice, more softer way of putting it? But then I realized that actually the word surrender is most appropriate. That's what Srila Prabhupada translated the word surrender because Surrender means total um, giving of oneself. Um, and um, Hare Krishna, let me uh, actually, my, this is uh, taking a second here. Let me just uh, plug in this iPad here so it doesn't run out of juice. Okay, so um, so yes, surrender is 
is, is, uh, is the perfect word. Um, but however, we as conditioned souls, we fear surrendering uh, to anyone because we feel we've been cheated. Uh, we've been, we've been, uh, we've, we were traumatized in our material existence and we, we carry that, that those feelings of being traumatized with us birth after birth. So when, when someone confronts us with the word of surrender, because we, have, we don't have a, a complete conception of God, that God is loving and that, that if we do surrender to him, as, as Krishna tells Arjuna, uh, if you surrender to me, uh, do not fear, do not hesitate, do not worry. Actually, Srila Prabhupada uh, says that in the purport. Uh, and in the direct translation, Krishna says, um, I'll deliver you from all sinful reaction. Um, so <clears throat> surrender comes through hearing the sacred sounds of Krishna's holy name uh, with total um, uh, um, in the mood of total submission with firm faith that by submitting myself to the holy name, by submitting myself to Krishna, I will not get, I will not get cheated. Um, you know, I, I know myself that when sometimes when I'm chanting the holy name, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, I have to do this, I have to do that. And oftentimes, if I analyze, if I, if I reflect, why am I thinking about this? It's because there's some motive. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like it's a, the, 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 when we're chanting Hare Krishna, we're, we're, we're endeavoring to break free from the, the gravity you know, the, the, of this material realm and entering into the, the spiritual realm. It's like we're, we're almost like you could say we're Atmanauts. You know, like you have astronauts, they're always going out, but we're going within as Atmanauts. And we're, to, to break free from that gravity, what ha the gravity uh, manifests itself uh, the, of the material ego, that gravity of the material ego that pulls us back into this body conception manifests itself as fruit of activity that, you know, we're, we're conditioned that I want to get something out of this activity. You know, whatever I'm doing, how am I going to benefit? However, Krishna consciousness is a complete paradigm shift but that where it's no longer thinking, what can I get out of this activity? What can I get out of this thought that I'm thinking? Because by thinking this thought, I can, I'm hoping I can come up with a strategy to achieve my goals, which will benefit me. Rather, um, we're, we're, the paradigm shift is what will give Krishna the greatest pleasure? What will give my spiritual master the greatest pleasure? What will give my Vaishnava God brothers and God sisters the greatest pleasure? Because we all know without, without the, the blessings and mercy of our God brothers and God sisters, how can we, how can we maintain a taste for the holy name? Uh, how, how, without the blessings of, of, of Vaishnavas, uh, you know, if we, I've experienced so many times in my own life, my own spiritual journey, if I offend a Vaishnava, I lose, I lose my taste for chanting. You know, I, I, my mind becomes disturbed. Uh, and it's, it's almost, a, it's instantaneous. Krishna, he's Paramatma in our heart. He's hearing every thought uh, that we think. And um, he can remove that taste uh, for the Holy Name. And to have that taste for the Holy Name is, is the greatest blessing we can have in this world. 
um, you know, I just always love to reflect um, on the power of, of Srila Prabhupada's ability to bring Krishna consciousness to the West. Um, uh, and, and he says in his, in his prayers on Jala Dutta, you know, he begins by saying, my dear Lord Krishna, you're so kind upon this useless soul. I do not know why you've brought me here. Now you can do whatever you like with me. But I guess you must have some business here. Otherwise, why would you bring me to this terrible place? Most of the population here is covered by the material modes of passion and ignorance. Absorbed in material life, they think themselves very happy and satisfied and therefore have no taste for the transal message of Vasudev. So this is our position, especially being born in America. I know I had absolutely no taste for hearing uh, about Krishna. But by the blessings of the Vaishnavas, by the blessings of devotees, you know, gradually we're, we're that, that taste is being awakened. And that is, the, that is the, um, uh, one of the great gifts of the Holy Name. Like I was, we was speaking about the Bhagavad Gita in the second chapter, um, you know, where, where Krishna says, uh, you know, the embodied soul, uh, as the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age. Similarly, the soul passes into another body of death. But the self-realized soul is not bewildered by that by that by, by that change. So similarly, by the every day when we're chanting the holy name, when we're absorbing our minds in the sacred sound of the holy name, we're preparing for that very that critical moment when when, we, when our soul leaves our body, and by this practice of, the, of connecting to Krishna through His holy name, we we are we are uh, we won't be bewildered. Um, so it's, it's it's such a beautiful process. Uh, it's such a um, a great opportunity uh, that we've been given by Srila Prabhupada. So before closing, I, I mean, I would like to you know ask for your realizations and and hear your thoughts. Um, but I'd just like to to share with you. Uh, um, I remember like on my ninth birthday, um, uh, before I. Uh, um, you know, heard anything about Krishna consciousness? Um, the the uh, there were people there were there were thousands of people in in California, which is on the other side of the continent. Uh, they were chanting uh, the mantra. They were chanting was "Burn, baby, burn, burn, baby, burn." And and the the the, the uh, Los Angeles, uh, the Watts neighborhood in Los Angeles was on fire. You know, and it just wasn't in the month of August. Uh, that happened, but throughout the whole year of 1965, it just started out with a with a horrible bang. You know, uh, uh, Malcolm X, who was the uh, leader of the, of the Black Panthers, he was assassinated. And the following month, um, there was a bloody Sunday in in, in Selma, Alabama, where 600 you know uh, pro peaceful protesters were clubbed uh, by the National Guard uh, and hosed down with water. And then uh, that same month, um, Operation Rolling Thunder was started in Vietnam. It was the, you know, the biggest uh, military air 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 uh, operation since World War II, and like, you know, which you know, over over a million, six hundred thousand bombs, tons, not just bombs, but tons, six over six hundred thousand tons, over half a million tons of of bombs were dropped. 
on, on North Vietnam. The whole the whole planet was on fire. The Indo-Pakistani war was on was going on. There was fights between China and Taiwan. The U.S. military had to go to Santo Domingo because there was there was there was a, you know riots there. There was there was a rebellion going on in Rhodesia. You know the whole 1965 was a was a tremendous time of, of, of upheaval. There were people burning themselves. You know there was in November December there were there were two two Americans uh, to set themselves on fire in protest and and babies were being burned by napalm. There was a most hellish chemical warfare. It was like this this jelly of fire. You know and once you get it you can't you can't scrape it off yourself. It just burns you to death. So this was going on, and yet Srila Prabhupada, there was a light of hope that Srila Prabhupada left India, a, a lone fighter. Um, and all he had was, he had an umbrella, he had a suitcase, and he had um, uh, a box of cereal, okay? That was his only possessions. But what gave him confidence is he had two, he had several trunks of, of 200 sets of of Srimad Bhagavatam. And, and, and he, was, he was fulfilling, he was now finally fulfilling uh, the desire of his spiritual master. And what the result was, he, did, he, was, he, was, he was totally up to whatever Krishna wanted, but he was doing what his spiritual master asked him to do. And that gave him great happiness and it gave him great confidence. So um, then the first kirtan took place in, in 1966. Um, actually, on this day, October 23rd, uh, 1966, um, there was the first book distribution took place. Um, uh, you know, I was reading in the Hare Krishna explosion that uh, Hare Griva Babu finished the, the stencils for the first Bhattagata magazine. And that was uh, either distributed today or maybe the following day. It's not quite clear which was the first day, but Gargamuni, he went out and he distributed, yeah, they, they, they printed a hundred copies on a, a mimeograph machine uh, and they sold them for 15 cents a piece. <laughs> First bat to guided magazines, you know. So from a race, and one time Srila Prabhupada said that this, this um, all the, 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 the temples that, he, that have come up around the world, all the, uh, the, the, the millions of books that have been distributed, there's all come about by chanting. And if we really think about it, you know, Krishna says later in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, the other side the car boat here, AK Kuru Nanana, Bao Shakananan Tashta, Buddha Bibasayana. That those who are on this path are resolute in purpose and their aim is one. The intelligence of those who are irresolute is many branched. So, by the, the intelligence of a devotee, we are able to become one pointed, fixed, you know, and determined and, and focusing on Krishna's name. Then we can do wonders. So I, I, I believe I've spoken enough. Um, I'd love to hear uh, devotees uh, and, and hear from you, all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Prabhu. Uh, I wanted to ask you to comment on the principle that you talked about Saragrahi of being an essence seeker, seeking the essence of holy name being non-different from Krishna. And it seems that Krishna himself is Saragrahi in the sense that he hears our sincerity 
more than the uh, material uh, ability to musical ability or like that. And I, I remember reading that one time there was a a slick businessman in New York that it's either New York or LA, I can't remember, but he saw the devotees and he wanted to give them a big television appearance and he would make money also. So he told the devotees to get the most musical devotees and the most attractive physically. But then later Prabhupada said, we're not performers, you know, we're meant to, you know, share Krishna. So Prabhupada didn't always stress the um, musical expertise. Can you comment on that? Yes, it's such a, this is a question from the spiritual sky. <laughs> I, I love your question. Thank you so much for asking it. And it's so true. Um, what, what you said that uh, there's the, of course, the, 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 um, the, the, the pastime of, of Duryodhana, uh, when Krishna was coming to Astinapur, he, he wanted to offer Krishna uh, an opulent feast. And, uh, but because he was motivated, you know, his, his idea was that I want to get Krishna to come here so I can, I can manipulate him to serve my, self, my selfish self-interest. And Krishna immediately picked up on that. Whereas Vidura, you know, he was living in a very humble situation and all he could offer Krishna was a banana. But when he offered Krishna the banana, he was just so much, his heart was just brimming with love of God and with love for Krishna. And by mistake, he offered Krishna the banana peel. And then Krishna relished that. So, you know, you know Krishna doesn't, you know, I mean, Let's let's just let's just just take a second and think about that. I mean, there's living entities in the spiritual sky. They've been they've been they've been glorifying Krishna with music for for eternity. How can we ever create anything that can compare to their their expertise? You know, we're, we're nothing. You know, the only thing we can offer Krishna is our love. So yes, you're you're, you're totally correct in, in bringing this glorious point that you know it's only. Krishna, you know, says again and again and again and again. It's only by love and devotion. One offers me a love, a devotion, a leaf, a flower, a fruit, a note. <laughs> I accept it. So yes, you're you're totally correct in what you're saying. There, there can't be. Any tinge of false ego uh, in in our in our you know to be pleasing to Krishna to really to really be pleasing to Krishna there can't be any tinge of false ego in our presentation whether it be you know and the thing is that but if someone if someone is trained musically and if, if that's their tendency and they say my lord you know I, I'm not trying to show off I'm just trying to you know do this nicely for your pleasure please accept it if he doesn't have mood. Then why not? They can they can play beautifully. You know, you could get if everyone in the New York Philharmonic Orchestra had that mood, even though they're playing ex ex expertly, if they had that heart, then then the music would have so much more impact. It'd be even a billion times more beautiful than the material expertise. Do you have any thoughts or reflections on that, Prabhu? You'd like to share. Uh, 
I read one, um, there's a story in the Narada Pancharatra where Narada Muni was visiting um, various demigods and he, he came to glorify Krishna by singing. But they, uh, so he was singing very, they asked him to chant various pastimes, songs about various pastimes. So he sang some beautiful songs. And then they asked, then he thought they were finished, so he started to leave, but they said, no, we want you to sing the song about when, when Krishna left Vrindavan uh, from a tour and the gopis were trying to stop him from going and all that. So then he started to sing that song. And as he was singing, he was a very expert musician and singer, but when he was singing that particular song, there was the mood of separation from Krishna. So he had this, his, his voice started breaking up and his musical, you know, rhythm was interrupted by his ecstatic symptoms. And all the demigods got angry at him because they were listening to the kirtan and they were appreciating the, the nice musical sound also. And uh, so they, they sort of cursed him but then Krishna appeared and protected him. But I was just thinking, but there was a story where he, Narada Muni uh, did austerities to try to perfect the musical arts. And, you know, the ideal thing, as you mentioned, is if someone has devotion and also musical ability, then that's a wonderful combination. Yes. Thank you. Maybe someone else has some, something to ask or... Yes. May I? Please. I would like you to say something about your Ramayan presentation, which was uh, given in the flyer that you're going to produce or it's already scheduled or something like that. Say something about Ramayana because I love Ramayana. Oh, okay. Well, it was, um, I would say, a, a, a most satisfying experience uh, for myself personally uh, to be able to see all the students at this university um, hearing about Lord Ram and his pastimes for the first time through this musical. In fact, uh, the student who played uh, Hanuman, he was the president of the uh, Student uh, um, Christian Association. But he had, he, and he had a beautiful uh, tenor voice. And he said, you know, in one time he said to me, you know, he called me John, because that was my name there. He says, John, I don't know what to do. Every time I go to church now, I hear, Sri Ram Jaya Ram Jaya Jaya Ram. <laughs> Me <Yeah>. too. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, yes. And in fact, uh, I know, play Hanuman too. You play Hanuman too. I play. Yes. 
That's what I do. Monkey, Jerry <laughs> Rob. <laughs> yes. So Hanuman, he's um uh you know we, we had a um professor uh he he, he played uh, Jatayu and uh, another professor play Mantara and so anyway so it was we, we well, it was very well received we did four performances um so i you know i can't say much more about it except that uh, uh after i graduate from west Liberty, i plan to um uh what we did was was technically called a workshop production where you uh put a, a musical on its feet for the first time and then you go back and you edit so there's a couple more things I I need to do to, to um, you know, uh, before I say goodbye to it in the sense that I think, okay, I'm done. Uh, and then once I do that, I'd like to, you know, um, you know, try to uh, um, offer it to different theater companies and, uh, and see if they like to uh, take it on as a project. You know, but ultimately, I would love to do it with with devotees because I think having devotees involved would would raise it to the bring it to the um, uh, spiritual highest, a much higher spiritual platform. Even though I felt that it was good, it was a wonderful experience for the students uh, to get that exposure, and of course they got prashadam. We we served them every night. We New Vrindavan cooked a wonderful prashadam for the students. And, um, you know, we had, they said in 40 years, they never seen so many faculty come to a performance. Uh, it was very well received. Some, some students would see it three times, you know, some, some you know. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think, I think this is something that devo devotees around the world now are beginning to develop their, their skills in different areas. And I, I'm hoping that we'll see more of, of and we're already going on. I mean, we have the boys already setting, um, you know, doing much, much greater service, like with this Discover India. Actually, after the performance of the Ramayana at West Liberty, um, you know, was, you know, Krishna let me uh, arrange, help arrange for uh, Indrajuna Swami to come. And his group came and they, they did the Discover India presentation. And they, they also, the students loved it. In fact, the, uh, the faculty, the chairman of the theater department said to me, you know, we should do it every three years. We should do something from the Vedas. So. Wonderful. I played Hanuman for hours and hours and some of the these uh, local people here in Texas, those guards and all that, they come to me. How come you Indians can celebrate so much, so many hours? I said, I don't consider it as a job. I'm having fun. When you have fun, time flies. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, I hope I hope I get a chance to see you play Hanuman someday. <laughs> this is COVID year. Nothing is happening. That's true. Yeah. When the dust clears. Yes, I would love to. <laughs> thank, you. I, yes, thank you. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? We have a question from Jenya also. 
She asks, do you believe that music attracts young people more than mere words? Well, getting back early to Sarva Obama's question, it, 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 it can, provided it's done with, you know, uh, um, with a pure heart. Um, it has a tremendous, as we see just from historically, how music has had played such a crucial role in, in Christianity for us, you know, helping, helping attract um, people to, to the church. Um, so, you know, and, and we see an example in our Vaishnava tradition, how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, is inundated India uh, with, with large Harinam Sankatan um, processions. And there was the roaring of the holy name. Uh, so there, there are so many different types of music, which, um, you know, if, if they become infused with that spirit of bhakti, uh, and those, those forms of music can become tools to help, um, you know, people of all uh, varieties. Uh, but that, that the purity, Prabhupada Prabhupada said, you know, books are the basis, uh, utility is the principle, which, you know, as a musician, uh, I try to utilize, you know, whatever tools are available to me. Um, you know, books are the basis, utility is the principle, purity is the force. And preaching is the essence. So the the, the purity and and the uh, the goal there, uh, the goal is, is is by the performers must be to um, open hearts uh, to receive Krishna's love. Um, and of course, that begins by ourselves becoming Krishna conscious. I hope that answers the question. Does that help? Yes, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. I know I can relate because I listen to a lot of music and, um, you know, before I came to Krishna consciousness, you know, I was kind of visiting different types of temples with different types of, uh, of tunes and chants. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great music out there, but the, the message behind it is really, um, glorifying, you know, and idolizing, um, Maya, you know, and um, I found that uh, chanting, um, you know, the Maha Mantra was so much more uh, satisfying. You didn't really need, you know, big lights. You didn't really need a lot of, you know, synthy and electronic production. Um, definitely didn't need, you know, like alcohol or, you know, or drugs or, you know, or, uh, you know, or kind of like rowdy friends or anything like that. It was very pure. So, um, you know, like you said, I think if we could transfer, you know, that, you know, all the wonderful music talent there is, you know, and combine it with, um, you know, greater consciousness, you know, it could be really powerful. Yes. I, I thank you so much for that greater consciousness. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just want to add one more thing, which I thought you might find of interest. We were talking earlier about COVID and, um, you know, sometimes these epidemics are, are signals for a change in civilization. And I was just reading this, mor this morning how in the 1300s, you had the bubonic plague, the Black Death was sweeping through Europe. And well, that, that signaled 
among other things, it was one of the, the things that signaled a change uh, in, in Western civilization uh, from the um, autocratic, you know, uh, you know, almost, you could say almost the, the, the Western Europe was being ruled by uh, the church authority of Rome and the Black Death uh, started making people think about, well, you know, there must be other ways of going about things. It was one of the, one of the reasons they say, historians say, that the church lost its power. So, you know, even though this COVID is a horrible thing, and the, the point I'm trying to make actually is that, you know, so music sometimes goes through cycles. And like we were, you were saying how music was very, was, was very meditative and, and like when, when done with higher consciousness, the simplicity, you know, that's how music was, was for, for thousands of years. And then we got into this complex mode. But, you know, they say, the historians are saying now that things go in cycle and maybe, you know, we were going to see a, a, a shift, getting back to more of the, seeing using music as a means of, of attaining higher consciousness. Definitely. And I think, you know, on that, I mean, it's really interesting because I think, um, you know, the, the electronic music scene kind of, and just music in general, you know, it became very complex, you know, lots of words, lots of, and still, you know, it's, you know, um, a lot of the same kind of like tropes around, you know, like sex and enjoyment and, you know, getting wealthy and all these things, but there's also kind of like an underground developing where there's music without words. It's very, you know, more meditative, but still like electronic, you know, it still has kind of like the same crowd, but I think you're starting to also find there is a like, you know, the, the Western, you know, kind of like spiritual, um, you know, and yoga community is starting to actually pick up on like, you know, techno and like progressive house because, you know, it's stuff that you can actually do asana to or stuff that, you know, they can go and, you know, feel like they're in a meditative state. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you're definitely starting to see, you know, at least in some genres that folks are starting to turn towards that style of simplicity. Right. 